And it's my pleasure to introduce uh, or welcome back a dear friend of mine and of ours, Pastor Kevin Ward. Pastor Kevin, if you'll join me. And uh, all the way from Eswatini. We are so honored to have you here. Welcome to CLC. Thank you, Paul Stan. Thank you, CLC. God bless you. And uh, Pastor Kevin's uh, better half, undeniably better half, Helen is with us. Helen, would you stand? And would you give her a warm CLC welcome as well? What you saw there, if you're new, uh, is a reflection of a burden that God put in Kevin and Helen's heart years ago. When we met them, he, he had... Uh, they had started at two drug rehab centers, Teen Challenge, one for men, one for women. And I remember in our conversation in 2007, he said, I realized that if we're going to reach a culture, we can't wait until they're in their 20s, drug addicted, alcohol dependent, HIV infected, and homeless. We have to move upstream in the culture and bring transformation in the community, by the community, with the church at the center of it, ICBC. That dream included building a church, a home for the pastor, children's homes that now realize are better as, as uh, preschools. But Pastor Kevin, uh, tell us about the impact of ICBCs and that dream becoming a reality. Well, thank you, CLC, for empowering us to do the ICBCs. With regards to the preschools, preschools are not free in Eswatini. And so the opportunity for children from broken homes or children who are often vulnerable children to go to preschool is very limited. So the preschool provides a place of safety from a difficult and sometimes horrible situations. Mm. It's a place of safety. It's a place of care. It's a place of compassion. It's also a place where they can get food. It's a place where they get spiritual food as well as physical food and then educational food. It is so impacting on the children that attend the preschool that by the time they get to grade one government school, they are typically two to three years academically ahead of those entering into grade one. Amen. Not only does it impact the children and give them confidence in their identity and in school, as you saw with that video clip, they go home mm -hmm into broken situations. And we are seeing parents or guardians coming to Christ because of the preschool. Thank you so much, CLC. And uh, we had a meeting with about 100 child sponsors yesterday. At CLC, we currently sponsor, I think, 328 children in these preschools. And through that $27 a month sponsorship, it provides that child with a uniform uh, it provides them with school supplies, a meal every day, and pays for the preschool teacher. And it's making a transformational difference. Little did we know when we first met in 2007, I told you we were going to find a community to build a church into a holistic ministry and partner with that community and see it change over time. Little did I know 15 years later that we'd have 24 churches uh, on our way to 60. So God is good. Um, I sprung this question on you last night. Uh, one of our oldest sites is Lava Mesa. And I, if you've ever met Pastor Sabello, you fall in love with him instantly. Uh, he was walking an hour and a half, I think, each way to, to the church from where he lived. And I remember uh, we are wind beneath their wings. We don't tell them what to do. It's Pastor Kevin and the, minister, the vision there. Uh, and I remember him saying, okay, the next place we need to go, we need to plant a church in Lava Mesa. 
And he said, there's two primary reasons. People are starving to death in Lava Mesa and the witchcraft is real. That was 15 years ago. Tell us the impact of the ICBC there now. Well, Pastor Sabello Klino would tell you in his own words that Isindwendweni Lava Mesa has changed. The witchcraft has dropped. Many witch doctors have come to church, got born again, got saved, belonged to his church. He would tell you that there's a revival going on in Lava Mesa. The preschool is full. The children are impacted. The youth are impacted. And the area is impacted. So thank you. Uh, it is such a joy to hear that. And uh, the theme that you've heard throughout the service, because I want Pastor Kevin to, uh, to share in just a moment, we sang songs that really combined a couple of thoughts. One of my favorite verses that you've often heard me quote is from Ephesians chapter 3, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that dwells within us. God wants to work in us beyond what we could imagine. Certainly he has done that in Africa. And then the song we heard and the provision of how his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches me. Jesus said, uh, don't be anxious for what you'll eat, what you'll wear, because your heavenly Father adorns the lilies of the field. He cares for every sparrow that falls. Surely he'll care for you. And I found that one of the ways that, and we talked about God moving me, all right, one of the ways that God moves me and one of the ways he provides for the needs of others is to provide for those needs through us. I mentioned to you that yesterday we had a meeting with child sponsors, about 100 of the more than 300 that sponsor children. And we shared with them that because the ICBC growth is really just taking us by surprise, last year we planted over, I think, six or seven churches, uh, and we've been doing that for the last few years. There are now seven churches that have been launched that are launching their preschools, a key discipleship tool, with 60 kids on average in each preschool. We need 425 new child sponsors to sponsor a child. In this nation of about a million people where three-fourths live on less than a dollar a day and 20% of the nation are AIDS orphans, this is a chance for us as a church Remember last week I talked about how we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, give an account for our deeds in the body, whether they're good or bad? Here's your chance to do what the Bible says is pure and undefiled religion. What do you suppose it is? Is it coming to church every weekend? Is it, is it serving as a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, or a greeter or out in the parking lot? No. Pure and undefiled religion. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this. Here's pure and undefiled religions. To care for widows and orphans in your distress. Keep yourself unstained by the world and care for widows and orphans in their distress. This is our opportunity for, for, it wants to 88 cents a day. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but yesterday at the meeting, one of the people who are sponsoring a child said, I don't know if God told me to do this or not, but I think you should share with the congregation the sponsorship need. Because I talked about how uh, there are groups that will contact us, uh, Carrie Job, Elevation, Newsboys. Can we have a concert at your church? We'll pay a rental fee for your staff and your, your utilities. And then they come in and they do, a, they do a concert and they're sponsored typically by a Compassion International and they make an invitation to sponsor kids. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, and so they said, you should go ahead and offer that to our people right in the service. So last night I had to tell that woman, you were definitely right because God stirred a lot of hearts. And so I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider right now spending $27 a month to sponsor a child. I've asked our section leaders to be armed with uh, a form, and uh, it is this form. And because I'm recruiting for those kids, 
I've seen those kids. We, we want to plan mission trips to go to the ICBC so you can see them firsthand. They will mob you with love. They're just amazing. Uh, but if our section leaders would stand all across the auditorium with a handful of these, and if you're interested in considering this, would you raise your hand all across this place for $27 a month? You can pay it one time. It's explained there. Or you can pay it on a monthly basis uh, from one of your credit cards or a bank account. Uh, you can scan the QR code. And if you want to do it old school, you can stop by the table in the lobby. Or if you have questions, stop by there. Uh, and you can make a difference in the life of a child and literally save their, help save their life and perhaps change a trajectory for them for eternity and someday meet them in heaven and they'll, they'll say, because of you, you helped change my life. And so I believe that 427 kids is nothing for us. 88 cents a day, you spend several times more of that depending on where you buy your coffee on your way to work. And uh, what an opportunity it is. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, section leaders, for helping us out. You can continue to pass it out. Wait, don't, don't put your hand down until you've got that opportunity. And now it is my pleasure to introduce to you uh, in the speaking realm, my friend. Uh, I met Pastor Kevin in 2007 through a God-ordained uh, series of appointments that I don't have time to tell you about now. But when I met him, uh, part of his story is that uh, he left the family business. They owned hotels, much to his father's chagrin. Dad was not happy about that. And he and Helen answered a call into ministry and uh, founded the, the Teen Challenge Centers and then founded uh, Challenge Ministries and Hawani Farm and Balemboon, all sorts of things, and finally planted uh, Potter's Wheel Church uh, around 2006, I believe it was. And that church that started in a rental facility and now has over 1,200 regular attenders when they're not in COVID, 1,500 people doing phenomenal things. And I would say that if anyone knows how to make a good decision and then make a decision good, even though it's been an uphill climb, it's been Pastor Kevin Ward. So would you give him a warm round of applause as he shares the story that he and Helen have lived? Thank you, Pastor Stan. Thank you for your wisdom and your grace. And CLC, thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to stand before you today. Thank you for your love that you've shared with us. I want to do something slightly different um, in sharing today. I wanted to take our personal testimony of the last 15 years and just share with you how God has taught me how to make a good decision and then how to make the decision good. But to bring context of the situation in Eswatini, please, um, just to keep this in mind, in, the figures showed that when HIV AIDS hit Swaziland, at one point in time, our life expectancy in our nation dropped to 33 years old. Life expectancy of 33. At that time, out of 10 children at the age of 16, the facts and the figures said that one in 10 would make it to the age of 35. Nine out of 10 would die due to HIV AIDS. And as a result, families were broken and children fled to the streets because there were no families, no guardians. And so when Pastor Stan had come uh, in 2007, this had impacted us. And just to have a look at this picture of Stan in our house in Hawaii, those many years ago with dark hair, and, uh, <laughs> and you can see Dirk there, Pastor Dirk, and you can see uh, the others that are there. Amazing team that came across to do great, great work. And, 
you see, what had happened is the children had come onto the streets. If you look at this picture, you'll see we were walking past scenarios where children were sleeping in the dustbins or gathering in a little room of this group of children. Later, we went back and uh, tested a similar group and found that 14 out of 15 were HIV positive from the street. And so we tried to take the children off the street and put them, and all we had was stick and mud houses. This picture is the first stick and mud houses that we had. And believe it or not, we only had a pit latrine. Uh, this is the toilet that we had. It looks terrible, I'm sorry, but that's how we started. Uh, later on, somebody donated a home in Ellis 20 home, which has become a woman's home. But, and we bought the, a farm to uh, start children's homes. And, and we, we wanted to get children off the streets and into four or six children per, per house. And so you'll see this beautiful little house at Hawani. And, and then we planted Potter's Wheel Church and rented a facility in Imbaban and then Imafini. And this was the facility. We started with 23 families in that facility. You see, when Pastor Stan came across to us, I had already seen that hurting people were hurting people and really we needed to get the church downstream. As Pastor Stan says, and plant the church where the pain was before the children got to the streets and got abused. But as I sought the Lord to try and find out, Lord, how, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to make a good decision and make the decision good? Because the truth is, when I looked at the resources we had, j just for a moment, think about that toilet that you saw. Think about those stick and mud houses. Think about the situation we're in. I, I was trying to work out, Lord, how will you provide for this? Because this is all we've got. We don't have much, and maybe tonight, this morning, you feel like, but I don't have the financial resources. We didn't. Maybe you feel like you haven't got the skills. We didn't. Maybe you feel like you don't have the relationships. We didn't. And as, as I just knew the heart of the Father was that he wanted us to build churches downstream looking at our resources, it wasn't possible. And so I realized that to make a decision, make a good decision, you have to, first of all, get and know the Father's heart, know God's heart, know God's heart. Because in situations like this, oftentimes you're thinking, well, I was thinking, Lord, how can I do this? I, I've got so little, there's nothing, I don't have the skills or the finances and, and, and I remember one time I went to meet a chief of an area in Lavo Misa where Pastor Sabello is before we planted the church there. And um, I met the chief. The land uh, was through a drought of five years, no rain. It was a terrible drought. The people were starving. And I went to meet the chief and I said to the chief, in course, uh, the Lord wants to bless the land. And he said to me, Mfundis, which means Pastor Mfundis, how can the Lord want to bless the land? Don't you know God has cursed this land? And, and I thought about that and I realized, you know what, so many times we think God has cursed something or God is punishing us and that's why we don't have the resources or God is disciplining us and that's why we can't do it or, or God's angry with us or God's abandoned us. And, and, and making a good decision, the first thing we need to do is get back to knowing God's heart, 
know God's heart. Because actually, God says in John 7, 24, Jesus is speaking, he says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So often we look at God and we get angry that we're in this situation and we start judging that God's disciplining us. But in fact, that's not the case. God loves us. That whilst we were yet in sin, listen, there's somebody in this room that needs to hear this. Whilst we were in sin, God so loved us, he sent his only begotten son. God loves you. The scripture says he sings over you. He dances over you. He loves you with an everlasting love that never gives up. You know, the scripture says in Daniel, the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. When you know the heart of God for you and you correct your understanding of the situation, that that chief had to correct his understanding. And I stood up and I said, of course, please, let's just pray. And as I was praying, the Lord said to me, Kevin, tell the chief it's going to rain in 10 minutes. I was too nervous to tell him it's going to rain in 10 minutes. I just said, of course, the Lord says it's going to rain. And 10 minutes later, to the minute, it rained. Amen. I wanted to share that with you because I believe that we need to know God's heart. And there are people in this room that feel like you're limited in, on finances or networks or on skills and and you think God's disciplining you, I want to tell you God loves you. And, and if you could know his heart, his real heart, and take off the glasses that are, are cracked and put on glasses that see God clearly, he loves you. He's with you. He's for you. And he never, never gives up on you, ever. He never gives up on you. The second thing is, as I was travailing before the Lord, he said, get my word. It's one thing to know God's heart, but in a situation when you're trying to make a good decision, God would have you get his word. His word goes forth and doesn't return void. It accomplishes that which he sends it to do. So we have to get his word, his revelational rhema word that is for that situation. And as I travailed before the Lord and I, I prayed, Father God told me three words, build my church, build my church. And so I, I sought the Lord and I said, Father, where's the scripture? What are you saying? And he gave me this scripture, Matthew 16, verse 18. It says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Build my church. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, build his church. His heart is that we build his church. But how, Lord, I don't have the resources. I don't have the finances. I don't have the skills. We don't even have the human resources. And the Lord said, Kevin, check your heart. Here's the third point. When, when God has called you to make a good decision, check your heart. Because you know what? Our heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. The scripture says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? No one but God. You know, so often we, uh, we don't want to do something because we are being shaped by fear or shaped by pain, or shaped by pride. I don't know if you've noticed, oftentimes we don't want to say something because of pride. Pride or shame. The truth is pride and shame are two sides of the same coin, pride. And so oftentimes our response to God in making a good decision is limited 
by our own heart. And God said, Kevin, check your heart. And so family this morning, if you're gonna make a good decision, check your heart. The scripture, James 3 verse 14 says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your own hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, can you say with me wisdom? I don't know if this catches you, but when you read the scripture, this wisdom, it's a wisdom. It looks like wisdom. It looks like the wise thing to do. But this wisdom doesn't descend from above. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion in every evil thing is there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It has no agenda. It has no agenda. God's wisdom has no agenda but to love you. Then peaceful, gentle, willing to yield. The opposite to willing to yield is stubborn. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Well, when I checked my heart, I had to admit pride and shame from the pain of years gone by, broken relationships and struggling situations. Pride and shame had molded my heart and God wanted me to check my heart and realign my heart under his heart, allowing his word to lead us. So he said, humble yourself before me and I'll lift you up and carry you. Isn't it amazing how God's wisdom is demonstrated in sending his own son down to earth to die for you and I? He calls us to serve in the same way that Jesus served. And then the next point, the fourth point is, listen for God's timing. Listen for God's timing. Because so often our heart wants to run ahead and just achieve what God has told us to do. But I've learned that success is about obeying God with the right heart. Success is obeying God with the right heart. So oftentimes, our flesh comes out, we've heard God, and we just want to run. And God says, hang on a second. Those who are led by the Holy Spirit, these are the mature sons of God. God wants us to listen for his timing, where he leads. And so as God had told me, Kevin, plant in community by community churches in the rural area. And I... I got that decision, but now I'm struggling with letting God lead, just waiting. Waiting is tough, isn't it? I think waiting is one of the hardest things to do. But waiting doesn't mean inaction or inactivity. Waiting means serving God the way Jesus serves. And so at that time, Pastor Stan arrived with CLC, and I'd heard about... Uh, how the executive in Eswatini and Assembly of God, how when they were there, the, the, this amazing church was coming to Eswatini and the executive weren't present to host Pastor Stan and his family, the church family. So I called the executive to say, I understand that the, there's no one in Eswatini to host this church that's coming. Can I offer my services where I'll, I'll just drive? 
Um, I'll, I'll drive and take them wherever they need to take, and I'll be your driver. And they said, well, could you come around for the evening and have dinner with Pastor Stan and the team and, and meet the team? And so I, I went around. I went around to surf. And so I wanted to go from now making a good decision to make the decision good. Because it's one thing making a good decision. It's another thing implementing it and making the decision good. And the first point in that is, as you serve, let God lead you. Can I ask you to turn to your neighbor and say, let God lead you. We want Jesus to step through the wall and lead us. But he called us to let him lead to let him lead us as broken as we are, as mere men. I don't know about you, but I, oftentimes I want God just to come and fix me completely, supernaturally, completely in one second, be completely made whole. But actually God is using this journey to lead us and to heal us through this journey. And I was going before God and saying, but God, how could you use me? I, I, I'm just a, a broken vessel and the, our team, our small team, don't, we're, we're all broken. It, 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 it's an amazing thing because in Psalm, chapter, Psalm 8, verse 4, the angels speak with David writes, he says, what is, it, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Isn't that amazing that even the angels were confused as to why, why was God mindful of man, broken man, weak man, just cracked pots? Could you turn to your neighbor and say, please forgive me, I'm a cracked pot. <laughs> you know what? We all just crack pots. And the truth is, we're sitting there saying, hey, Lord, how can you use me? I'm a cracked pot. Even the angels were confused. Ah, what is it that God is mindful of man? <laughs> and the heart of God is, let him lead you. And so Pastor Stan came, I believe, through God, being brought to Eswatini to come and stand next to Helen and I and our amazing, wonderful team of men and women of God to teach us, to shape us, to lead us. That God would train us to mentor us and to build us, to build the mission statement. You might recognize our mission statement, to know God, to be his people, to value others, and to change our world. And with that, as we do that, 15 years later, let me just show you for a moment. This is now what Potter's Wheel looks like. Potter's Wheel started with 23 families, and now this is what Potter's Wheel looks like. The Hawani homes have grown this is what it looks like. And now we have more than 25 ICBC pastors just before I left, men and women of God who have the mission of God to know God. They are sold out to know God, to be his people, to value others, to change their world. And within this context, Look at the map of Eswatini with the 24 to 25 churches now with a vision of 60 churches to come. 
Just before I got on the airplane, I was talking to the RCBC pastors, and one of the RCBC pastors said to me, you know, Pastor Kevin, when you shared the vision with us that we're going to plant 60 churches, I thought that's crazy. It'll never happen. But I want to tell you now, he says, this morning, I want to tell you, 60 churches is easy. What's the next? (laughs) These 24, 25 pastors have plowed over 1,000 hectares with Pastor Julius throughout Eswatini, planting food all across the nation. Not only that, they've delivered 1.7 million meals of food just this last year. In Jesus' name, for God's glory. As I share that with you, can I share that when you're making a decision good, you've made a good decision and you're implementing making a decision good. Turn to your neighbor and say, make a decision good. When you do that, please don't think that Satan's going to say, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, they're doing so well. Let's give them a break. Let's let them rest. Oh, praise the Lord. Let the family flourish. All hell breaks loose when you follow the Lord. And it's important for us, every single one of us, to recognize this next point. If you're going to make the decision good, live in God's grace. When, when you're under attack, the Lord tells us to go to the throne of grace in the time of need, looking for grace and mercy, and that he'll give it to you. His grace is supernatural. You're not saved by works, you're saved by grace. And his grace is sufficient. His empowering grace is sufficient. His supernatural favor is, a, is sufficient for you and I. And if we could tap into his grace and stay in his grace, he will carry you through his supernatural favor. Live in God's grace. And whilst you're in that place of living in God's grace, the final point of making the decision good is this. Acknowledge God in all things. Sometimes times are tough. You open the fridge, you've got hardly anything there. Acknowledge that what you have is from the Lord. The scripture says in Proverbs 3, if you acknowledge the Lord in all things, he will direct your footsteps and he will make the path straight. He will get you out. So start speaking life. He came to give life and abundant life at that. Start speaking life into your marriage. Start speaking life into your family. Start speaking life into your workplace. Acknowledge God in all things. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. With men, this may seem impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so I just end this morning with this. If you're going to make a, decision, a good decision, first, know God's heart. Don't trust your heart. Align to God's heart. He loves you. He never gives up on you. Get God's word. Check your heart, because our heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Selfish ambition comes out fast. Pride and shame, it gets squeezed easily. Listen for God's timing. And to make a decision good, let God lead you, not your flesh. Live in His grace. It's it's sufficient. His grace will empower you. Acknowledge God in all things. In Jesus' name. And as I share that, I want to thank Pastor Stan and CLC. Thank you for being the hands and the feet of Jesus to us. Pastor Stan, thank you for the wisdom 
and the strength. CLC, thank you for empowering us because lives are changing in Eswatini and Eswatini will become a pulpit to Africa. God is moving in our nation. All hell might break loose, but God is moving. Amen. And as I say that, I'd, I'd like to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment, please. Just bow your heads. I, I sense that there are many in the room this morning that are struggling. You're at a crucible moment, at a tipping point. You're making decisions and you need to get a good decision. There are some that are here this morning, you, you're so anxious about the decision that your neck is even, you have a painful neck, painful shoulders. And the burden that you're carrying is, is too heavy. The decision is too stressful and the Lord would say to you this morning, I'm with you, I'm for you. Let me help you make a good decision. Let me help you make a God decision. If that's you this morning, just with your eyes closed, could you just pray with me? Father, I invite you into my situation and Holy Spirit, help me to make your decision. A good decision, a God decision. And Lord, help me now to implement your decision. Forgive me for my shame, my pride. Forgive me for allowing fear to shape me. Fear of failure, fear of finances, fear of making a mistake, fear of being wrong. You said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but I have given you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So give me a sound mind to make a godly decision and to implement it for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, CLC, thank you.
Well, I hope it's been an encouraging service for you. Uh, Friday, when Kevin and Helen flew in, uh, Joyce and I had them over for dinner. I picked up Carrie out. She's still recovering from foot surgery. Many of you have asked, so keep her in prayer. But we had them to our home. And afterwards, I just had to reflect back to about a year or so in when Joyce and Jonathan and Laura and I went to Africa in the fledgling stages. And to fast forward and to see where we are now, it's just amazing what God has done. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that dwells within us, to him be glory in the church now and forever. May God continue to build you as his church, build us as his church, and use us as a congregation to build his church uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, and the utmost parts of the earth. And Pastor Kevin and Helen are going to make their way to the VIP room, if you can escort them out now. And feel free to stop by there and greet them. Stop by the table if you have questions about sponsorship or if you realize, wow, I need to make that decision to make it good, stop by there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the the way you work in our lives. You guide and direct our decisions. And so we commit today to you. We pray that you continue to be glorified in and through us as your church. Each one of us are part of that, God. Work in us works of healing and encouragement and learning and growth and strength and vision and bless us to be a blessing to others in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thanks for being here.